What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast could be sponsored by you, the listener, by heading on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas writer. There you can become a patron and support the show as I continue to grow, keep the website up to date, um, keep you informed with everything that I'm doing right now, and uh, eventually get a facelift for the website. Um, Every little bit helps, helps keep the lights on, all that good stuff. So again, just head on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas writer and uh, become a patron today. Um, also check out chasethomaspodcast.com. It's uh, my site where you can learn a little about me, uh, get a, a direct link to every single episode, um, all that good stuff. You can also read all of my work. I'm basically writing there every day. Um, the schedule that I have right now for uh, my writing on the site is on Sundays, I'm doing an ATL sports column. Um, kind of traditional in that sense, depending on what's going on in Atlanta sports that week. On Mondays, I am doing a 30 things on the NBA um, that I'm excited about because the NBA is coming back soon. Uh, Tuesdays, I'm doing a Monday Night Raw recap and review. Uh, Wednesday, I am doing a SmackDown Live uh, review. On Thursdays, I am doing a Throwback Thursday, so I'll watch a game because I like watching old highlights. I like watching like 1998 Minnesota Vikings versus like the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, things like that, where Randy Moss went off. Um, so I'm going back watching old games, uh, and I will be writing about them as if they are happened right now and all that good stuff on Fridays. I'm doing a nobody asked mailbag where I, uh, just, I have a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts on sports and I can turn them into questions and, uh, I'm going to write about them in a nobody asked mailbag. So you can find that on Fridays on Saturdays. It's, um, it's just a Saturday morning thought. So things I, w- I thought about during the week, that I just want to write about and uh, mixed in with all of that, uh, just other kinds of articles like when I wrote about Bruno Caboclo and why it's interesting that the Houston Rockets are taking a chance on it more. Jimmy Butler and his rumored flirtation with uh, the Lakers and why um, he might be a better fit for uh, Kawhi Leonard instead of LeBron James and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, other articles um, spread out throughout the week all that good stuff, but you can find all of that by going to chase podcast.com. Uh, don't forget. There's a lot of ways you can listen. Spotify is a popular one now, so you can find the chase on podcast on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, um, Google play, uh, everything else that you could possibly think of, uh, cast box, um, just uh, all kinds of great stuff. So Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, of course, uh, but yeah, just search Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it. And if you are an Apple Podcast listener, uh, it'd be great if you could leave the show a reading and a review. Um, it's just, it's important uh, with the way iTunes works. So it'll help other people find the show, help the show continue to grow. Um, so that'd be great. So if you, uh, if you are an uh, Apple Podcast listener, it would be great if you could leave a rating and a review uh, for the show. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. And uh, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, Uncle Darren, 
Let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. A sick Wednesday night edition of the pod, but uh, it's an NFL special. The NFL is back tomorrow night. The Falcons are on the road against Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles, hoping to do a better job of winning in Philadelphia against Nick Foles than they did uh, a few months ago. But that was a playoff game. Months ago, different teams, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see what how that all goes. But uh, before we get to that, a lot of other NFC and AFC offseason questions. Now everybody's upset about Le'Veon Bell. Um, that's the new conversation talking point. It seems like this week, Earl Thomas is going to be a Seahawk at least for one more year. Uh, that's a cool thing. But, um, you know, good morning football is in full form. Nate Burlinson, I watched him on, I believe it was the Rich Eisen show today. Great work there. And a guy who knows Nate Burlinson well and just knows NFL football really well. Matt Hamilton is here. Matt, good evening. How are you? I'm good, Chase. I appreciate you having me out. I'm, I'm excited. So what is Nate Burlinson like on the set? Because I am a big fan of him. I could listen to him talk about football <laughs> all day long. And I just listening to him go through just his thought process on Calvin versus Randy as just wide receivers and him just having experience with so many all-time Hall of Fame type guys and he's just fascinating he's really really good yeah and he he's the type of guy you know there's some guys that you feel like they put on fronts for tv and then a different guy behind the scenes nate is exactly who he appears to be he's one of the nicest most generous people i've ever met but also as you said like his perspective on everything is is unique for an nfl player he he understands you know he 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 embraced that role as the number two receiver and he's he understands what his place in the league was and you know i think sometimes he he should give himself a little bit more credit for the career he has than he does but um but just having that perspective on the league and and what his role was you can see why he was so successful in that role because he never he, he understood his strengths and weaknesses and always played to those and uh you know he does that on the show as well um you know he understands where his strengths are and what he brings to the table and and gives everybody else their chance as well. Like that's why the, that's part of the reason why the chemistry is so great on our set. The chemistry is perfect. So if you're not already watching Good Morning Football, um, I don't know what you're doing because Good Morning <laughs> Football is fantastic. And if you're watching Get Up over Good Morning Football, I don't know what you're doing either. But uh, I love it. It's uh, the NFL Network has so many great personalities. Still, I mean, I'm just a gigantic mark for Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah and Dave Damashek, obviously being a staple there, but um, so many great things. And uh, you're a producer for good morning football. What it like you get up at three, we were talking before we got started about the, <laughs> the tough uh, just sleeping schedule and everything else. But um, as a producer, what is it like? Um, does it, what is it like just being on set and going through everything on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, it's fun. It's fun every day. It really is. You know, while, while the hours are long and it's a grind, you know, even after this, I still have some work to do to finish up for tomorrow and then turn around and get up at three. But, uh, but it's you so can blame much me fun. If anything doesn't get done, cause you need to sleep because you've been up for about like 43 hours straight. I think if yeah, my math is much. correct. Yeah. Pretty much every day. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's an absolute blast every day. There's something different every day. Um, and working with it, working with those four hosts is, is incredible. As I said, the chemistry is so good. Everybody brings a different skill set to the table, and uh, you know, and having having the guests in that we have, I, I produce uh, most of our guest segments. Like today, we had Chad Ch Chad Johnson on, and uh, mm. just getting to pre just getting to pre interview him, and 
get to know get to know him a little bit. You know, he's he's another one. He's exactly what you would expect him to be like. Um, just, in a good uh, way or a bad way? Oh, in a good way. Um, he was just you know didn't t- it didn't take anything seriously from the jump, but in a good way, in a lighthearted way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I usually prep them. I kind of go through the questions they're going to ask. He's like, I don't want to know anything. <laughs> I like being. I like going off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Just throw me out there. Throw anything at me. Nothing's going to bother me. I trust you. Let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. And also, I yeah. can respect that because you can always tell when people just kind of know what's coming, and you get kind of canned answers. And uh, it's cool that he actually does. He like you. You like those guys that are just they know who they are. And like Nate Burlington is the same way. It's like they know who they are. They know their strengths and they know their weaknesses. I don't know. I just like when people are comfortable in their own skin and are just uh, not going to take anything too seriously because those are the best TV personalities and just like media personalities in general, I think. Yeah, exactly. And that was Chad to that. I mean, it's impossible not to like him. You know, as, watching him as a fan, like growing up, there are times where, you know, if he's playing against your team, you might get a little irritated by him. But there's just everything is, it's just so genuine with him. He's just, he's, you can tell, like, it's all about having fun with him. There's no, like, malice behind anything. He's, he's just having fun. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the way he was on set today. His, uh, cigar collection at all? Uh, we did talk a little bit about it. So I guess he has his own cigar company now. He came, he walked yeah. in with a cigar. Um, oh, really? At 3 a.m.? Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, at that point, when did he show? He showed up about seven forty-five. But yeah, he had that cigar. Uh, he had Was that it cigar lit, ready or did he just have it ready for? No, like, he just later had it. On the day. Okay, he had it for later <laughs> on in the day. Yeah, but I uh, want to believe that Chad Ochocinco was smoking cigars at like six o'clock in the morning during his like morning run or something. Like that's how he. Oh my god, that would be the best. <laughs> yeah. He even, uh, you know, we always do a little bump shot where we're teasing our guests coming up, uh-huh. and he's like, he's like, I want you to come out here with me. I was like, oh, Chad, like, this is your thing. Like, you go. Yeah. Like, no, no, come out here. I was like, I don't know if they want me to do that. He's like, no, no, no. You tell them. If you're not out here with me, then I'm not going on the effing show. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's the same guy. He, he was incredible today, really. You know, I wasn't, you don't, with a personality like that, you don't always know what to expect when they walk in. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was as awesome as you could possibly expect. Is he the best guest you've been around to this point, or is there someone who tops him? He's definitely one of them. Uh, I love the Unique Ngakwe we've had on a couple times. He's, I'm uh, glad you said his name, because there's no way I'm ever going to pronounce his name the right way, especially when I talk <laughs> about him. I just I read about it all the time, and just seeing certain guys, he's one of those where I'm like, never going to happen. It, Prince <laughs> Amukamara is another one that I'm always going to stumble hey, through. But, uh, you got yeah. it. I did, but it's also because like I, I may or may not have done some practice because there's some NFC North questions I want to ask you about because you <laughs> were in the Detroit Lions scouting department and I have a lot of questions about them. But there are certain guys that I'm just like, oh nope, that's never happening. I'm gonna <laughs> fuck that one up for all in eternity. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Gakwe is one of those guys for a lot of people, but I think uh, I think by the end of this year, I think he's gonna be a household name for everyone. Okay. I mean, it, that's that's cool. I mean, if the Jaguars needed anything, they needed more outspoken household personality types on that defense. That's definitely what they need more than anything else, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing I like about it. He's a little more understated. He, he's a very focused kind of uh, 
Yeah. Outspoken. It's all business with him. You know, whereas... Uh, I think it's all of them, right? Like, I think Jalen still all business. It's yeah. not like his play is falling off. AJ Bouye and him jawed yeah. a lot at each other. And Leek Jackson, <laughs> who's still a really good player they got from Denver, who uh, Yannick also plays with. And, I mean, Dante yeah. Fowler is a different beast altogether. But, um, yeah, yeah I don't know. I feel like it's like it? a... It's a healthy personality battle, if that makes sense. It, it definitely is. Um, the guy, though, that I don't know if he gets enough credit yet nationally, both for his play and his personality, Telvin Smith. Um, he's, okay. actually coming on, he's actually coming on on Friday with us uh, via remote. But uh, mm-hmm. he is – you can't watch a press conference with this guy or hear him speak without just being glued to the screen. He is yeah. so funny and is just brimming with personality. He, he comes on our show. Every time he comes on our show, he raps. Comes with a freestyle. Really? Okay. But he, I don't think he has a career in it. But I appreciate mm. the energy and the attitude. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Damian Lillard with rapping. No, or Le'Veon Bell actually. Yeah, I mean, left him on our show and wouldn't rap. So there was that. Really? We 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 set him up. We asked him to do it. You know, Nate had something prepared. He, he didn't want to do it. Um. Oh, I, I honestly man. would say, though, if we want to get into this conversation, best rapper in the in the NFL, AJ Francis. He's a defensive tackle. Um, I think he's actually just released by the Giants. He's been with the Redskins. The Giants went to went to the University of Maryland. Um, okay. He, if you check him out, uh, his rap his rap name is Frank. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. really good rapper. Okay. Probably the best NFL rapper I've heard. That's 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 in the league right now. Okay. And one of the best personalities. He's one of the other, one of my favorite guests we've had on our show too. He has a wrestling podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, he's just now we're really talking interesting language. dude. <laughs> okay, I like it. Um, so is there a quarterback? Because you know, I was thinking about quarterbacks too. Of like, there just seems like it's a weird thing where it's like you want your quarterback to be really boring. But also, yeah. I don't like listening to quarterback interviews. Like, there's some weird. Like, I, I just feel <laughs> bad in a way because you're like, you're, you're just. I listened to Russell Wilson this week. Russell Wilson's a top five quarterback. He was on DP show uh, a couple days ago, and he it was just why are we doing this? I, I'm good. Yeah. I don't need it. I don't need any more interviews. We know like he's yeah. just so well trained, and he just he knows how to answer every question and dodge everything, and it's smart, and it's good. Like he, it's good for the team that this dude is never going to say anything that gets anybody in trouble or gets anybody upset. Like cars the same way, kind of. And I mean, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is getting a little bit uh, prickly in his later ages talking about like just the crap effort from his uh, young wide receivers and all that. Yeah. But like, it doesn't seem like many uh, quarterbacks are good interviews. Is there one right now in the league that you guys have had on that you were like, Oh, that was better than I expected. There's a little bit of personality yeah. there. Yeah. We had Ro- Rogers was pretty good. We had him on at the super bowl and, uh, and he was pretty good. He played along with us a little bit. Um, you know, he's still, he's a little laid back and a little prickly at times, but overall yeah. he was pretty good. And, uh, and Eli too, while he isn't exactly firming with one, energy, yeah. he uh, he played along. He was cool with whatever we did. We did, you know we played a ridiculous game with him as we like to do on our show. And he was mm-hmm. he he buys in. He, he just goes with the flow. So he's always a good guest to have on. And and Wentz has been pretty good too. Um, he, we've you know we were kind of pumping him up from very early stages of the show. So he started coming on with us early, and uh, you know he's. He's been on, I think, three times with us now, and he he's always a pretty good interview too. You know, he is he's a little he is a little guarded in his responses sometimes. But, yeah, but there's there's personality there, and and he'll have he'll have some fun with us too. 
Interesting. I would never guess Wentz. And I remember like Jay Glazer, I think he had a piece today on The Athletic um, describing like an interaction with uh, Carson Wentz when he first met him uh, a couple months before the draft or something. And that like he knew immediately this dude's going to be awesome. He's just a football guy. And when you hear football guy, you're like, oh, there's no, I'm good. I, that's all I need to know. It's like he like looked at extra time, extra work, getting better as just like a privilege and all this other stuff. And he's just a, obsessed with just being the best and just happy to be there and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, this is good for your team. You know, this dude's going to bust his ass and everything else. But like, oh, I don't need to like, eh, I'm good. I don't need to. I think we're, there's nothing really there. I think his because when you're that obsessed with football and then you, you want to get better, it's like that's all you have time for. It's just like. I want to be the very best and I'd, I'm just not going to develop the whole personality thing. I'm just so engrossed in the football world and just being the best. And uh, I, I don't yeah. know. I think it's, it's, no, tough, it is true. But... There's something to that. And especially, you know, that goes hand in hand with the quarterback position. If you're going to be great, you have to make it your life. And yeah. uh, you know, so it's hard. <laughs> Those guys have big personalities outside of that when they're so focused. So let's talk about the NFC North for, for mm-hmm. a second. That's where we're, all looking at i think right now it was the nfc south last year but now with the Jameis stuff and still some question marks with the panthers with norv turner uh coming yeah. into the fold maybe christian mccaffrey has a better year too he's had a good preseason and all that kind of stuff but um the nfc north is just it's so fascinating it i i just i don't really know where to go because i don't think stafford's gonna have a bad year like khalil mack makes things even more interesting but then again, I feel like people are talking themselves into Trubisky way too much when it just seems like he's destined for poor man's Alex Smith, which I don't know what that means for the Bears trajectory over the next like four years. But I do know that like people who are still expecting like top five, top 10, maybe just because of his where he was drafted. I'm not there. And the fact that they're simplifying the offense, a lot more RPOs, a lot more short intermediate stuff that a lot of the NFL is predicated on bringing in Mark Helfrich to run more of a college friendly game. All that's great because it's going to play to his skill sets, unlike what John Fox and Jeff Fisher do with every quarterback over the last exactly. 10 years. But at the same time, there is a ceiling there. And I'm just wondering, like, is this defense good enough? I'm scared about their corner situation with Fuller and Amakamara. Um, good safeties, uh, really deep at linebacker. Uh, just a lot more weapons for Trubisky this year with Allen Robinson. If he stays healthy, I like Anthony Miller out of uh, Memphis. Um, it's a lot of talent. Kevin White is still healthy, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, because he has broken everything that ends in ULA in the body, like scrapula, fapula, fibula, all this stuff. Like, I'm telling you, just look at his injury yeah. report since coming into the NFL. It's amazing everything that he's dealt with. I think shin splints was the first thing. It's it's crazy. But um, the Bears are everybody's favorite team, and I still just feel like they're destined for like 6-10 and 10 at best. Um, is that crazy, even with Khalil Mack coming into the fold? Yeah, I'm with you. There's so much unknown with this team. And we haven't seen how all these pieces are going to work together yet. As you said, on paper, there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of things to like and a lot of things to be excited about. But I'm with you on Trubisky. You know, I like him. I think I think they're doing the right thing right now by catering to his skill set. And I think they're going to get the most out of him. But as far as the things that I saw, even coming out of college, that he needs to develop with just as far as, you know, his pocket presence, going through progressions, things like that. Um, I... It, the college type of offense is not going to help him develop those skills as much, but what it is going to do, it's going to take advantage of his, his mobility. It's going to take advantage of his accuracy It's going to take advantage of his athleticism. And uh, I think you're going to see 
numbers-wise, I think we're going to see a big jump from him, a significant jump from him from what we saw last year, similar to what we saw with Jared Goff. You know, the Rams yeah. kind of did the same thing with Goff. They were able to cover up a lot of his deficiencies last year. And, you know, it's not a knock on Jared Goff, but there's a separation between, you know, guys that put up that can put up really good numbers at the quarterback position and guys who are truly elite quarterbacks. And sometimes, you know, we get so bogged down in stats that, some, sometimes you can't see the difference between the two, but um, you know, and I, I know saying that a guy is a product of the system sounds like a knock. It's really not. Like Goff has a lot of skills. Uh, you know, he's the number one pick for a reason. He can really throw the ball. But there are things that he really needs to work on, especially in the mental aspects of the game. And McVay simplified that offense, took advantage of all the playmakers that they have there, put him in a position to succeed, and the system maximized his abilities. And, uh, you know, all the credit in the world for Jared Goff for, for, you know, making the plays and being able to do that. But, you know, there are people that are expecting him, too, to take this massive, massive jump this year. As you said, with Trubisky, too, I think there's a ceiling on those type of guys. And I think he's right about at it. And I think with Trubisky, too, I think we're going to see an improvement. You know, Mm -hmm. I think they're going to maximize the skill set. But, again, there's a ceiling on how far those guys can go. You really need to have perfect situations around them for that to work. And with the yeah, Bears, it's, like the, it's the Andy Dalton zone, which is okay because like yeah. Andy Dalton could have won a Super Bowl two years ago, or is it three now? Exactly. What was the year yeah, that he, he got hurt and couldn't play? Was it three? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. twenty fifteen. And they were the the AFC was wide open, and that team yeah. was perfect. They had a bunch of veteran talent. Like it was just the right mix of guys. They were deep everywhere. They lost all their line in the year after, but like there are certain yeah. quarterbacks and, where it's like. If you give them elite talent, they're good enough to win you a Super Bowl with that elite talent. But if exactly. you're asking and them I, to do a lot with less, it's not they're not Russell Wilson, they're not Aaron Rodgers. They can't they're not Tom Brady. They just can't do that. So it's okay because there's only like five or seven of those guys in the league every year. So like not exactly. every team could do it. So you have to like find a way around that. And Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, yeah. and I think Mitch Trubisky now falls in that category, but like because they were top exactly. five picks and all that kind of stuff, people are like, yeah. Well, why can't they? And it's like, well, because most aren't. And I feel like we know what they are. And that's like, you hope for the best, but you have to surround them with Allen Robinson's, Tariq Cohen's, yeah. um, Jordan Howard's, all those guys. Because if you're relying on Mitch Trubisky to become like a top five quarterback, eh, you're gonna be waiting a while. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that, but that's also exactly why you go all in right now. Right. You know, there's this yeah. idea that maybe the Bears should have waited to make a move like Khalil Mack because Trubisky's only in second year, but he's on his rookie contract. You don't have to pay him yet. Now's the mm-hmm. time you can go and pay the Khalil Max and pay the Allen Robinsons and go all in. Because if you know you need to put that perfect situation around the guy, when you wait till he's making upwards of $20 million a year, you're not going to be able to provide that for him anymore. Mm-hmm. So you go in now, like, look what the the Eagles did it with Wentz. The Rams did it yeah. with Goss. Like, we're seeing a precedent now in this league when you have that young quarterback that you can you know, that you can win with in the right situation, go all in and get them that right situation as early as possible. Don't try to do the slow rebuild once you have that guy. Just go all in right right from the jump and give yourself a chance. What do you think about the Lions pass rush? A lot of turnover. They're just... Uh, I'm outside of Ziggy yeah. who's really weird because he like he's always a good sack guy, but he never gets consistent pressure. So his numbers are kind of a misnomer in a little way. But yeah. like... We don't really know what Matt Patricia and this defense is going to look like. We just know that they're going to run a lot of different sets and it's going to be a lot of different looks. They're going to throw at teams. And um, 
we know that Glover Quinn turned into a superstar with them last year, and we know Darius Slay is just like Mr. Playmaker. He's like the best cornerback nobody knows about in this league. It's like all yeah. Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye and all these other guys, which yeah, they're all great. Year. But like Darius Slay led the league in picks last year, and he also it wasn't even just picks; it was also pass breakups. Like he is just if you target him, uh, do so at your own risk. And I think they're set in the secondary because they have. A second round pick who um, they're hoping uh, Tabor is it Tabor? I think it's Tabor. Yep. Um, Jalen Tabor, uh, who is not pencilled in as a starter, but the, I think they're still hoping takes that job at some point this year. But uh, you have Gerard Davis running the middle now for the foreseeable future, first round pick last year. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of concerned about their pass rush because they're going to need it against this group because a lot of pressure is going to be on Quinn and Slay and everybody else because the wide receivers and the quarterback play in this division is just going to be. It's just going to be insane. And um, a healthy Rodgers, Kirk Cousins now being in the fold, and they obviously had the two best receivers um, combination in the NFL, I think you could say at this point. And then uh, the Bears now with Allen Robinson and everybody else, like a lot of pressure. I feel it's going to be on the back seven for Detroit. And I just, I'm really fascinated to see how their front four and all the different sets they throw out work because um, I'm concerned. Yeah. And and you hit on with Ziggy Ansa and it's, He's a, he's a confusing player because you've seen the flashes at times. At times he looks so dominant, and then it seems like he disappears. You know, for even seasons at a time. Um, you know, part of that is, has been his head. he's had you know he's had his share of injuries over the years as well. But there's just the consistency just hasn't been there, and and he hasn't been at his highest level. You know, for a full season, I don't think we've seen yet. So if Patricia can get that out of him that should be enough. If he can play off to what he's capable of doing, that should be enough right there. But the interesting thing about this defense to me, and this might sound crazy, I think Patricia has more talent at his disposal now than he did in New England over the last two years. Interesting. Okay. That was a top, you know, we saw them get, we saw the Patriots get shredded early in the season last year and in the Super Bowl, but that was a top five defense last year. That was the number one defense in 2016. And really look at, look at who they had. In 2016, really, what, like, their top pass rusher was Trey Flowers. He's a nice player, mm-hmm. but nothing's bad. They had shipped off Chandler Jones. They traded Jamie Collins away midseason. Um, and then at corner, Malcolm Butler. Darius Slay is a better player than Malcolm Butler. Yep. You know, Jared Davis, I think, is going to be a fantastic linebacker in this league. Ziggy Ansah is a better pass rusher than anybody had. I think when you look top to bottom, I think there's more talent on that Detroit squad. And I think that's that's the thing Matt Patricia I don't think ever got enough credit for because everything they is so Brady and Belichick focused. Yeah. He missed all of last it. year. They need a big year out of him. Um, yeah. And I feel like you're but the I, biggest Ricky Jean Francois guy based on this uh, analysis, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, like when you look at Patricia, yeah. I think everything is so Brady and Belichick focused with the Patriots that what he was able to do was, was really underestimated. I mean, to have the number one, de- when you look at personnel groups, for that to be the number one defense in 2016 is just, is, is mind boggling. Yeah. He so, had those guys playing so far above there because as a unit, they were so better, so much better as a unit than they were as, as, the, as individuals. Like you look at that defense on paper, that should have been a middling defense and he had them as the number one defense in the NFL. 
Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of continuity still on offense because Jim Bob Cooter was retained with this new coaching staff. And I think that's smart yeah. just because of what he's gotten out of Matt Stafford and improving yeah. his accuracy and all that kind of stuff. But um, I feel like carry on Johnson is going to be a really important player for them this year. I really like him a lot. But yeah. uh, it is kind of odd that their offseason, especially on offense, was dictated around a commitment to the run game which is yeah. a little weird in 2018 that uh, this is where they're going. I, maybe it's partly to protect Stafford long-term, partly they just, I, I don't know, they've invested a lot yeah. in the running back thing because they just have not been able to figure it out. And that, I mean, they're going to start a rookie at left guard and Frank Rag now. And um, I don't know, their right side of the line is a little shaky with Lang and Wagner. Uh, we'll see yeah. how that holds up. There's um, a lot of talent there between those two guys. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. Their offensive but, line situation is interesting, and they're banking on this group um, yeah. breaking through and actually having a good running game this year. But I just don't know why they care that much because yeah. you have Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and Kenny Galladay. Like, I, I don't understand yeah. this weird – I mean, they signed Luke Wilson, who so, I like a lot, and he might be a sneaky good guy for them. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's just really weird. I feel like their offensive strategy is just kind of a head-scratcher right now. But so much has been put on Stafford over the last few years. Uh, this has been the, the worst, this dead last run game in the league over the last three years. Um, they've got they've generated nothing out of it. And I think it's one thing if they're a middling run game and they invest all these resources. This is a run game that can't do it, that hasn't been able to do anything. And so much pressure has been put on Stafford um, with what he had to do in 2016 with those eight come, eight come from behind wins and everything else just to will them to a playoff berth. Even to get them to nine and seven last year, it's, it's, it takes everything being on his shoulders. So, just having that run game, taking some of the pressure off of him, and also taking some of the predictability out of this offense. Because while they do have all those all those weapons, when you start to get predictable, it makes it a lot harder. And adding yeah. that element of unpredict unpredictability to this offense, I think, is going to be a good thing. Uh, and it's something that we haven't really seen out of this offense since since 2013 with Reggie and Joyke Bell a little bit in 20, they weren't as successful in 2014, but they, they still have some of that going. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's going to be a key for this team. And I think you, we could see any, another level out of Stafford because of that. But, uh, I think it's interesting with him. And I said this when I was in Detroit, I was there in 2013. I was evaluating the quarterbacks during training camp and really keeping a close eye on them. And one of the things I noticed was that Stafford, wasn't really developing mentally with Calvin Johnson there. Calvin was a crutch for him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. When you have a guy like that, and you can't blame him, when you have a guy like that, you're going to feed him the rock. You're going to toss it up to him uh, no matter what the coverage is dictating because you know he can go up and make a play. But I think what we've seen is since Calvin Johnson has left, we're seeing a different Matthew Stafford. We're seeing a more complete Matthew Stafford. We're seeing a better quarterback, a better version of him because he's going through his progressions. He's allowing the coverage to dictate where he's going as opposed to just forcing it to one guy. And I yeah. think that's why we've seen him elevate his game so much more. And it's, I know it sounds like a crazy thing in the face of it, that he's better without Calvin Johnson, but I always wonder like if he didn't have Calvin Johnson at the start of his career and built this foundation and then got him later, how much better off he would have been during those years. Yeah. I have a theory about like just go-to wide receivers because they do matter. And I feel like there's a reason Antonio Brown is just so good. And they don't have a problem distributing the ball a lot in Pittsburgh is that Roethlisberger got a guy like Antonio Brown late in his career. And Tom mm-hmm. Brady got Randy Moss late in his career. I think there's something to be said exactly. when a veteran quarterback gets a 
go-to guy because they still understand that you have to spread the ball around. Like Dan Marino talked about that a lot. Um, just you never want to lock in on one guy and you want to get everybody involved. Like it's just, that's what you're supposed to do as a quarterback. You want to get everybody yeah. um, a look, but when you're a young quarterback and you're starting to figure things out and you have this all time, great future hall of famer wide receiver, you're going to go to him because it's easier and it's the game's already hard enough Absolutely. for you that uh, I don't know. Maybe that's the thing is like you, there's nothing wrong with having a go-to receiver. Just don't get one when you have a young quarterback because they will naturally just be drawn to somebody like that because they're a safety valve that um, they need to stay alive and figure things out. So um, it does seem like there's a natural connection between young quarterback with a number one receiver versus a veteran quarterback and a number one receiver. I think there's just a, different understanding and uh it's just easier for those guys i feel like absolutely yeah i didn't even think about it as you said with some of the veteran quarterbacks getting those guys later you know even looking at like you know in, in eli manning you know earlier yeah. in his early in his career like leaning on plexico so much and then mm-hmm. kind of developing a, you know 20 2011 was his best year and you know that was, that was the breakout year for victor cruz but not that he was really a go-to in the way that in the same way that plexico was but um, there's definitely, so I think there's definitely something to that. Uh, we, we've seen it, I think a little with Dak Prescott with Dez, yep. uh, you know, I think there's also that presence where you feel like you have to, you have to, to keep them happy with a lot of these yeah. number one series. You have to feed it to them. You have to force it to them. That's why I think it's a fascinating year for Dak as well. Yeah. I'm, it's interesting to see just how it complicated the that situation is in Dallas and no one has a good read on them yet like I just can't wait yeah. for the first game just to really see how all this looks because I feel like there's a lot of overreactions on both sides um Green Bay or Minnesota who are you more enthralled by this year who if you had to guess who has the better season and let's just assume that Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers play all 16 games how do you see that battle going at the top of the NFC North I mean the Vikings are just such a complete team uh, the offensive line is taking its hits, which is definitely a concern. Um, yep. Because they did, they played a little over, they played a little over their heads last year. Um, they know, signed Riley a new center off the street this past week, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. And and Pat and and Elf line, I think, was the key to that whole thing last year. He was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be one of the best centers in this league for a long time. Um, and and with him being banged up, that's that's definitely a concern because when he went out last year was when things started to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a real concern. I think that's the, that's the one, and it is an important area, but I think it's the only area that they're not, you know, that they're not elite in. You look at the, that entire defense at every level, they have tremendous talent. Um, and then the offense out of that receiving core is incredible. Um, you know, we're hearing great things about Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> that he's going to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm out. Um, I I still don't understand why we're doing this. Every year. uh, Probably not happening. And we don't even have to do it because they have Uh, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. I've heard from enough different people that have seen him now that I'm starting to believe. Like, the first time I was like, okay, I'm hearing it now from enough different people that I feel like there might actually be something to it. Um, You're alone there. (laughs) Not doing it. But the talent they have in the backfield as well with uh, mm-hmm. with Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. And also, mm-hmm. like I just think having Cousins there, it opens up so much more for this offense that they couldn't do with Keenum. You know, Keenum was efficient and did a great job running Patrick Murray's system. Bringing Cousins, I mean, we saw what he was able to do downfield when he had a guy like Deshaun Jackson. And I mm-hmm. think Diggs is a much better downfield receiver than 
we've seen because he's had quarterbacks like Keenum and Bradford and, you know, guys that are thrown the vast majority of their, the vast majority of the throws are short to intermediate throws. Mm-hmm. I think with cousins, I think they'll be able to take advantage of that skill set. It digs a little bit better. And I think he has an, a career year this year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I love Stefan Diggs. He's like, just, I love wide receivers who can just do literally everything because he can grab balls. He's like one of the best at just grabbing uncatchable balls. And the one good thing about cousins is he's very accurate and he'll put Mm -hmm. the ball where it needs to go. So Stefan Diggs won't have to work as hard this year as he did with case Keenum a little bit because case Keenum was running around a lot. He was very Brett Farbian in a little bit of ways, Mm -hmm. which uh, I I just think that the receivers should have a better year this year because Kirk cousins, I still think is an upgrade. I don't think he's like a gigantic upgrade, but it's enough that uh, this line stays healthy, um, which is a major what if um, not as much as what the Cardinals are running into the season with, but um, I don't know. I'm just fascinated because the Packers invested three uh, for three picks in this past draft on receivers um yep. they cut yancey who was a what like a fifth rounder last year but he was getting training camp buzz and all that um, yeah. a lot of turnover there a lot of banking on their yeah. secondary that's very young and we just don't know what to make because like their safety is not thrilled with clinton Dix was fine last year but um i i they're just banking on tremont williams yeah. still being okay because he was like a top 10 corner last year in arizona but i mean he's older and we'll see what happens and mike pettin getting back in the fold after being away and I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I feel. I still feel and, like I want to watch like six or eight weeks of the Packers before like yeah. I am comfortable I, just saying they're coming. They're here. Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. That's why I have the Vikings in the Super Bowls. I just feel like what I, you said at the top. They're the most complete yeah. team, and it's just really hard for me to doubt them. Yeah, yeah. And I think Rodgers gets the Packers into the playoffs because he's that good that he can will a team to the playoffs. But and I think this is. I think they do have a little bit more talent than they that than they've had in years past. You know, that 2016 team that that made the NFC championship was, you know, it was entirely on his shoulders. And I think this year they have a little bit more help for him. I know the receiving core still has its questions, but we've seen him make guys, you know, what, what he did with James Jones that year, what he's done, you know, what he's done year in and year out, um, regardless of who's out there for him. I think, I think we'll see some guys start to emerge. As you said, they spent all, the, all those graphics on young talent. and It hasn't really clicked so far. Um, a guy that I love, who is who can be very frustrating, but if Rodgers can get him playing at the best of his ability consistently, Jamon Moore I think has an incredible skill set. Okay, and, uh, he's just he's been very inconsistent. He had his inconsistencies at Missouri as well. Um, you know, he'll, he'll he'll get cases with the drops from time to time, things like that. It's, but it's focused. Right? It, it seems to be a focused thing with him. And if Rodgers can keep him focused, the ability is there. He had back-to-back thousand-yard seasons on Missouri, he's, and he he has that attitude. Um, yeah, he's got he's got a little bit of fire. He's 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 a little bit of a jerk out there in a good way. Um, he'll bully some guys, and I love seeing that attitude of, out of a receiver. Um, but he's got work to do, and he's got to put in that work. He's got to he's just got to find that consistency. But when he's at his absolute best, when when we've seen him at his absolute best, he can dominate. And I'm hoping we can see Rodgers kind of get that out of him. Okay. Last thing, and then we'll go. Give me your order for how the NFC North finishes this year. Vikings, Packers, Lions, Bears. Okay. I'm right there with you. And I think they're all like separated by like three games, maybe. I think the winner of this division is going like nine and seven, ten and six. Ten and six max. I just, it's going to be a bloodbath. 
I'm excited yeah. to watch these four teams go at it. But um, yeah, anyway, Matt Hamilton, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. We can watch you sometimes when Chad Ochocinco pulls you on set on the <laughs> Network with uh, Good Morning Football. We can also uh, see you behind Kyle Brandt's shoulder. A lot of the time, apparently, uh, there's uh, all kinds of ways that we can see you on television, but people can now also hear you on podcast because you came on this one. So I appreciate it, Matt. Um, we can find you on Twitter at Matt Hamilton 25 and all that good stuff. So um, good luck this season and let's talk again soon. Sounds good, Chase. I really appreciate you having me on. This is fun. All right, welcome back to the Chase Moms Podcast. I am now joined by Sean Wagner-McGoff. I had to say it strongly, so I did not uh, mess it up, Sean. Um, he is an NFL writer at CBS Sports. He's apparently seen Rogue One 12 times, which I'm a fan of because I get a lot of heat, Sean, because I maintain the belief that uh, Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie and it's not close. Do you think that it's the best Star Wars movie in the Disney era or like period? All of them, period. Oh, I'm with you on that. I can't believe I've met someone um who agrees um besides like being on the star wars subreddit which like you see a few people pop up um that sounds like a bad place um yeah i mean since the last jedi it's, it's gotten terrible um mm-hmm. but it is true i have seen it 12 times in theaters so i've probably honestly seen it close to 30 times if you count um on blu-ray and then it got added to netflix too uh, yeah. which means like anytime like you spend 20 minutes like browsing trying to find something i feel like i just settle on watching like certain parts of rogue one it, it's a real problem it's not a problem because it's a really good movie it, it, it's a good war movie it doesn't feel like a star wars movie which is what i think makes it so good yeah it's it's all about like the tone to me it, that mm-hmm. like i liked the last jedi but i knew 10 minutes into the movie that i wasn't gonna love it the way i loved rogue one just mm-hmm. because of the tone because they had like this like funny like skit type of thing yeah. um and and like it's like the new thor movie yeah bit, where well, it's like there's it's fine i'll but admit it's just, i haven't it's seen not, it yeah. um okay i'm not a big superhero um movie guy um yeah. but yeah i just knew right away i was like i'm not gonna like this movie as much i still liked it but um i just don't think there's gonna be another one quite like it ever for me uh mm. which is kind of sad but i'm just thankful that before disney hit stop on these spinoffs that we at least got rogue one yeah I mean, it's uh, Rogue One is it was I went in maybe partly because I went in with low expectations. I was just blown away by just how good it was. And it was just it was intense and it didn't feel like it was that long of a movie. And you're just you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. Like it's it's just really good and really captivating. It's just always moving. Felt kind of like a Bond movie in a way of just like always moving around, going to different places on the run, that whole thing that uh just fun and an ending that i don't think any of us saw coming at the time but uh yeah it's it's just a great movie so i'm right there with you rogue one is actually the best star wars movie and i don't think anything will top it you're not gonna hear any disagreement from me and if in fact if you want to spend this entire pod just breaking down rogue one i mean we can do that i mean (laughs) i feel like there's nfl stuff going on this is a big week for the nfl i feel like Am I wrong there, or is there NFL stuff happening? Yeah, yeah, there's a few things. You know, Le'Veon Bell is not playing football. Earl Thomas is back. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. things happened today. The Le'Veon Bell stuff is fascinating because his linemen are now all unloading on his absence, which th- I have so many thoughts on this because on one hand, I understand what Le'Veon Bell is doing, and partly I think this is his agent. Like, one of the interesting 
talking points that's come up this summer is that like they're gonna DeMarco Murray him this year because this is the last year of Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. And if you remember how DeMarco Murray was treated his last year in Dallas, they ran him to death. And he's now out of the NFL in his late twenties. And I think Le'Veon Bell's agents probably like the Steelers have no reason not to run Le'Veon Bell into the ground, even though they do have a capable backup in James Conner. But like, I can understand his hesitancy to just joining and like everything going on. But at the same time, you have to go on the field at some point. It's not like you can play for anybody else this year. So um, I, I don't know. It's I understand his perspective on this and just dragging it out, but he's also being well-paid as a franchise tender. Like it's not like it's a terrible contract year to year, but, and he's going to get paid by somebody next summer. I just, I, I would be surprised if someone doesn't pay it, maybe not long-term, but at least a couple of years and significant amount of guaranteed money and all that. But, um, but his teammates just kind of unloading on him and he doesn't give a damn and all this other stuff. And, it's uh, it's wild, and also if you're like Le'Veon Bell, you don't want your lineman turning against you <laughs> when you're getting ready to come back because then you're like, oh my god, are they just gonna let me get hit or like, uh, do they just all want James Conner now? And like, you had some, I forgot which Steeler said that like he would have been a first round pick if not for, um, can't like for his cancer that he uh, dealt with at Pitt. I think he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma if I'm remembering correctly, but yeah, I just it's a baffling situation, but it's. It's not what you want uh, going into week one, I don't think. It's a, it seems pretty toxic. And uh, it just when you have the comments that they're coming out of both sides, I just feel like this is uh, not great, especially for a team that has the talent to win a wide-open AFC. Right, and the funny thing is is that at CBS Sports, we did our um, season predictions, and I was making fun of my colleague yesterday, Will Brinson, for picking um, the Steelers to finish in third. And the AFC North, oh. and we were talking about it, and he was talking about, you know, there's no Le'Veon Bell, who knows when he shows up, and this was just last night, and I was like, Le'Veon Bell's going to report tomorrow, which is today, and he's going to be, you know, he, he might miss one week, or he might not be good in one week, and he'll be back, and it won't matter, um, and then you wake up today, and you have the comments made by his agent, and kind of what you were talking about, I think the weirdest thing to me is that players are openly criticizing him and it's not yep. just like an unnamed Steelers player is talking to an NFL insider and this yeah, never happened Foster's like no 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 I'm putting my name on it and you can tell Le'Veon that I said it yeah. this never happens and like so like on the one hand like I'm not gonna be shocked if he reports at some point and you know it doesn't really matter because he's Le'Veon Bell um it's not gonna impact his performance but on the other hand I, I think now like we could legit talk about should the Steelers trade him uh mm. Because, like, this is the only weird thing is that now you have players coming out and, like, I mean, I don't, like, like the distraction word, but, like, you know how coaches, like, hate locker room distractions. And, I'm like, Mike Tomlin has had issues with that with, like, Antonio Brown live streaming things and whatnot. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, what if, I mean, like, and also from a football perspective, if you're not going to get Le'Veon Bell for half the season, shouldn't you maybe try to get something for him before you lose him for absolutely nothing? absolutely nothing because i think the consensus is no matter what happens he's gone at the end of the year he's walking um i'm not saying they should trade him but i'm saying the comments that were made today actually made me think like what if it happens hmm. so you can't trade him into the like another afc contender because obviously the patriots make the most sense especially for um a one-year rental but the steelers are not trading Le'Veon bell to the pats that's not happening um, and if you're thinking about NFC teams that he would make sense on, like for a one-year rental, I mean, the one that stands out most to me, if they were going to do it, 
I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think it's the Niners. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was rolling out with Alfred Morris, and we'll see what happens. But Shanahan's going to do a committee approach there. But um, losing Jarrett McKinnon is just a gigantic blow for them, and for a team that uh, has not lost a game since Jimmy Garoppolo has been their starter. Uh, I, I don't know. I could see it, but at the same time, do you want to insert Le'Veon Bell into that locker room um, with just I, I don't know. But there's no talent really outside of Jimmy G and. Godwin and they're betting on Dante Pettis being really good on um, their second round pick um, right away because there's not a lot of talent on this offensive side of the ball right now outside of Jimmy G. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just can't imagine them trading. No, and, and I, right? I don't think they will. This was like the only thing that crossed my mind. I was like, like it, it will be weird when he does report because he probably will report at some point just to, you know, get the money. Um, and it, it's going to be weird. And like the it's the funny thing is like now, like, I don't know, like maybe could I see the Steelers slipping a bit? Yeah. I mean, I think their defense is not going to be good. I mean, you lose Ryan Shazier, uh, yeah. a defense that was already not that great a year ago. I mean, you have 45 points of Blake Bortles. Um, I think you have some problems. Um, so yeah, putting I mean, it, I'm just putting ha- it very nicely. <laughs> um, I'm happy I didn't pick the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I did. Oh, you did. I have Steelers Vikings. Oh. Yeah, I I just the AFC is so bad this year that like no one else really makes sense outside the Pats, and I just don't want to do the Pats again. I I just I don't know. It's probably going to be the Pats, but like I forgot who I was listening to this week. I think it was PFF because Sam Monson I think said that like the Steelers are going to the Super Bowl if someone else knocks the Pats out before they play them in the playoffs, and if they have to play the Patriots, the Patriots are going back to the Super Bowl. So I, I love that line of thinking because I think I'm right there with them in that like if they play the Pats again, they're not going, and uh, if they if the Jaguars or someone else is able to knock knock out the Patriots before the Steelers have to play them in the playoffs, then it's going to be good because Ben Roethlisberger is still really good. And James Washington is somehow older than Juju Smith Schuster. So he'll be someone who contributes right away. Um, Brown Washington and Schuster is just not fair. And I mean, even without Le'Veon Bell, we've seen them win a lot of games without him. I mean, he's missed time. It's not like he plays every game anyway. And you have a cable backup and Connor, like, I don't know. I mean, it really just comes down to the defense for me. And this division, I think, got a little bit more difficult. I mean, we'll see what happens with the Browns. But having Tyrod, I think, like, um, from a war perspective, just moving on from Deshaun Kaiser, who had a negative war for the Browns last year, he was just so bad. Like, it's really hard to actually have a negative war as a quarterback just because quarterbacks are naturally so important. And they're usually, at worst, just they don't move the needle. And he's not even a a Cody Kessler type for them. Um, It's just like I, they have like a five win expectancy jump for this year so if that's the case and the browns are better and the Bengals have a bounce back year and john ross uh gets back on track and that defense is fine with terrell austin and this that and the other and then i mean the ravens addressed their wide receiver issues because they had no wide receivers uh for flacco to throw to last year even with this bad back and everything but like they have more firepower and um i'm still pretty dubious about their pass rush this year but uh, their secondary is strong. And when they get Jimmy Smith back, they'll be better. Um, their backfield is is solid. I like Alex Collins a lot. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like this division's going to be more difficult for them. But at the same time, I think we're overthinking the Steelers. And I yeah. like this sucks. But they still are insanely talented. And uh, they're going to put up, like, they may give up 35 points a game. But they're going to score, like, 42. Yeah, no. I mean, I agree with you. I think this is, like, classic just two days before the season. We're just looking uh for some reason to knock them down and i think you're what you're talking about you look at the afc as a whole 
if I if I pick the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl, and if I couldn't pick the Patriots, if someone said you're not allowed to do that because you always do that, which I always do, um, I would have taken I would have taken the Steelers. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would have taken the Steelers too, even if Le- even if I'd known Le'Veon Bell um, was holding out. So I you're you're right. I just think I think the division or the conference as a whole is so weak. Like I was trying to pick wild card teams, and I mm-hmm. was just I I and it's just such a shame because you look at the NFC. And there's so many teams that I wanted to put in the playoffs that I just couldn't because I couldn't see them beating the two teams from the South and the two teams from the North. And then you go to the AFC, and like I have no idea who those wildcard teams are going to be because I think they're all going to be around eight and eight or nine and seven. The fucking Bills made the wild card last year. Oh yeah, and I think they might be the worst team in football this year, or like I think they'll be in the running for that top pick. Well, I mean, starting Nathan Peterman for 16 games is a almost a guarantee to get into that number one pick status. I will say this though. Their team is so bad that I would rather them start Peterman just from the perspective of if you put Josh Allen in there, like I'm not sure he's ready. Like he's going to get killed. And like, see, I don't care about that. I want to see him do that crazy stuff. Remember when he ran back like 30 yards on fourth down (laughs) inside like the 20 in the preseason game a couple weeks ago. That's what I want. This is entertainment. People forget. Like, I don't care about the Bills' health. I'm not a Bills fan. Like, I don't care what happens here. I want Josh Allen throwing to nobody and running around and, like, just trying to find ways to make Chris Ivory a good player in 2018. That's what I want. Their offensive line is terrible. I, Are you kidding? Josh Allen behind a terrible offensive line against a bunch of starters? Oh, yeah. Give me that every day of the week. I think you're going to 100% here. I think it. you're going to be entertained by Nathan Peterman behind that offensive line because I think. Look, Nathan Peterman had a good preseason, and like, like whatever preseason means, uh, he's he's gonna get destroyed behind that line. If you look at their schedule, I don't have it up right now. It's brutal, and I, I think Josh Allen starts at some point. I just think the, yeah. from the Bills' perspective, they know we've got a tough schedule, we've got a bad team. Let's put Peterman out there. He's gonna be bad. People will call for Josh Allen, and then we'll make the move. I think it's a bad sign that we're all talking ourselves into the Jets as a wild card team. who's talking themselves into the Jets as a wildcard team? I've heard it a lot in the last couple weeks, just because Darnold, I mean, he's the youngest starting quarterback since the merger, I think, which is uh, a little concerning, but I mean, I like Darnold, but that defense, there's no pass rush. They're counting on a lot from Leonard Williams. They have a lot of help in the secondary, which is nice, but I don't know. I really don't like their talent. And I just, I still think that they're a year or two away. And I don't know. I'm just not in. And the Dolphins seems like they're having the offseason from hell. And they really need Ryan Tannehill to stay healthy because they're also carrying like four quarterbacks right now, which I don't get at all. They have Osweiler, Fails, and now um, Luke Falk. What What is happening? Who carries four quarterbacks going into week one? Well, are we counting Brock Osweiler as one quarterback? We are. Yes. Um, I actually, so I picked the Dolphins to finish above the Jets. Um, and that's strictly because I think Tannehill right now is a better quarterback than Darnold. Yeah, if Tannehill plays 16 games, like I could see nine and seven for them, ten and six. Yeah, I, still I don't Adam know if Gase I can see coach a lot. I don't know if I can see ten and six. Um, about Adam Gase is like I feel like the most popular coach who like hasn't even done that well. Like I like Adam Gase um, a bunch, and I think a lot of the issues in Miami are more um, personnel based than coaching based. Um, I, I think they're going to be better than the Jets, though. I really do. And I think the biggest loss for them is obviously Sue, just from a defensive perspective. But you look at what, who they lost on offense, and I'm not really that concerned. I'm not concerned about Jarvis Landry's two yards per catch. Um, I think Amendola can do what he does. I think Ken, um, Kenny Stills is a very underrated receiver. Um, I've kind of given up on Devontae Parker. And I think 
Well, he's so good when he plays, but he's just he's already missing week one, right? Is he? Got it. Yeah, he's out for week one. Okay. I I liked what I saw from Tannehill the first year with Gase. Um, I'm not saying that there's top ten potential there, but I think there's like starting caliber potential. And that division is so bad outside the Patriots that I think they're going to be better this year. With that being said, if I had to pick one team in that division who I think will be is the best prime to take advantage of like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick eventually retiring. It's the jets. Cause I think yeah. them two or three years, they've already taken their quarterback. Um, I could see it happening, but none of this matters because Tom Brady will probably never retire and Bill Belichick will never retire. And um, by the time that happens, we'll have the dolphins drafting a quarterback. Yeah. Um, I mean, they tried to get Baker Mayfield this year, right? Like that was the big rumor that that's who they wanted. Um, Daniel's fine. Like I just, I, what is it? Year ten for him now. It's kind of crazy. It's, been yeah, it's weird to um, talk about him as this like project or this prospect, and he's like twenty nine or thirty years old, and like yeah. we kind of know what he is at this point. Which is another Andy Dalton type, where it's like yeah. if you have enough help around him, like if Devonte Parker, Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, and uh, everybody else were really good this year, and uh, Kenyon Drake becomes a really good player, but they're starting Frank Gore for whatever reason this year. Um, things be different, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm just. I just don't think they have enough talent to maximize their window at Tannehill. So I, I'm pretty dubious about them. I just feel like my wild card teams right now. It's it's a group of four. So one of these, I, maybe it's a group of three, really, because I think one whoever finishes second in the AFC North is getting a wild card spot. So right now I have that being the Bengals uh, getting in, and I also have one of the Chargers and Chiefs. Like I think both are getting in, but one of them's going to win the division. So um, I feel like that's pretty strong where I'm leaning I'm not a big AFC South believer like we still haven't seen enough of luck yet to know if they're back they still have no talent across the board like their running back and wide receiver situation is pretty pretty bad I mean Malik Hooker is a good guy to have in the backfield but uh um uh, they just they have a long way to go in this rebuild yeah I I think the Colts are going to be with the Bills fighting for that topic I really do which is what I think Chris Ballard wants right like Ryan Grigson just destroyed that roster like, I think, I mean, it kind of sucks that you have Andrew Luck in this situation, but um, yeah, I just, I'm not in on the Colts. And then the Texans defensive backfield is terrible and they're relying on a really, they need a lot of games out of Clowney, Watt and uh, Merciless. And I just, I'm not there with them. And I just, their offensive line's terrible. <laughs> I just, we'll see. Dan, I, I think Deshaun Watson's a really good player, but um, teams are going to adjust and it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him this year. Um, Jaguars, I think, are in line for a slight regression, especially on offense um, with Robinson and Hearns, everybody else being gone. And um, I, I don't know. I just feel like the AFC South is going to be a hodgepodge of average. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think you look at every team in the AFC South, and there are legitimate gripes and concerns for all four teams. You look at the Jaguars. Um, for one, I think the defense will take a step back. and not. I'm not saying that they're going to be bad. Like I think they'll be among the league's best. But they're not going to probably create turnovers at the rate they did. It's just like things obviously regress at a certain point. And then you have a quarterback who, if you get behind in the game and you're suddenly forced to throw, like I have no confidence in that. And so I think the Jaguars could be a team that could lose to a lot of bad teams. Um, and then you look at the Titans, and it's all projection of, well, Marcus Mariota hasn't been that good because he's been stuck in Mike Mularkey's offense. And that may be true, and maybe this new coaching staff unlocks um, his full potential, and maybe that happens. I was a big Mariota guy coming out. I still think he's going to be pretty good. Um, but 
that just might not happen. Mariota just might be the quarterback he was last year. Maybe it wasn't Mularkey. And you look at the Texans, I mean, I'm the guy who I did a top 25 under the age of 25 list earlier this summer, and I didn't put Deshaun Watson on it, and people flipped out. Um, I'm not really sold on Watson yet. I mean, like, he played less than half a season, and five of those games were the great games. And, like, I mean, I feel the same way about, like, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I think he could be good, but, like, I think we're kind of rushing it a bit. He's coming back from a torn ACL, two torn ACLs in three years. Like, you mentioned the offensive line's bad. And then you have J.J. Watt coming back, who is, what, pushing 30 now? Um, two lost seasons. Like, I think for the Texans to make the playoffs, they need both Watson and Watt operating at peak um, at their peak. And we just don't know if that's going to happen. Um, so, like, I, and I'm with you. And I think the Colts are going to stink. I really do. And, like, I like luck. I'm just, like, I don't think you can take the Colts right now betting on a quarterback who hasn't played in over a season, who didn't throw the ball, like, farther than 10, he- 10 yards in the preseason. Uh, like, I think there are legitimate concerns about Andrew Luck, um, at least for this season. How excited are you about uh, Adrian Peterson getting the start in week one for Washington? I mean, that's just, I mean, we were talking about Alex Smith before we started recording, and, like, I like Alex Smith. I think he's a good quarterback. But, like, the idea of, like, Washington lining up in the I formation with Alex Smith as their quarterback, a quarterback who's not usually known for, you know, throwing deep. And then you are lining up in the eye and handing it off to Adrian Peterson. Because the thing about Adrian Peterson is that even if he's good, he's not, he doesn't run out of shotgun. He doesn't catch passes. So even if he's good for you to run an offense successfully, you have to line up in kind of like old fashioned formations, which today's NFL just is not, you know, it's just not a strategy that teams use anymore. And so the only way it works is if Adrian Peterson is peak Adrian Peterson, he's gaining five yards a carry, then you can do that. But if he's, what is he, 32, 33 year old Adrian Peterson gaining 2.7 yards? You know, that's what I'm saying. Max, or yeah. like, say, even he goes to three and a half, something like that. You're sure that's, that's not horrible, but like, what you're sacrificing is formations. And I yep. like, and, and Alex Smith is coming from Andy Reid's system, which was like the most exotic, you know, college type of offense that there was. And he was throwing to Kareem Hunt. And he doesn't have that anymore. So I, I, I don't dislike Yeah, you had Chuck Kendrick West, Spencer Ware, Jamal Charles, all those guys who can do all these different things. And I mean, he'll get that in Chris Thompson, who I like a lot. But when you have Adrian Peterson in the game, it's just like, I guess you're going to have to do a lot of two back sets, right? With him and Thompson in the game at the same time to kind of confuse you a little bit. Well, I mean, or they, if they're a bad coaching staff, they do kind of what the Chicago Bears did last year, which was Jordan, oh, Jordan Howard's in the game. Everyone knows mm-hmm. it's a handoff. Tariq Cohen's in the game. Everyone knows they're throwing. Uh, right. And you can't do that. You can't tip defenses like that. Um, the funny thing is, is I really wanted to pick someone else to win the NFC East just because I have, I have a lot of injury concerns um, about the Eagles. But you look at that rest of the division, and like I don't know if they're terrible, but like every team just has these huge flaws that I just can't get over. So I, I had to pick the Eagles to win the division. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I'm still interested in the Cowboys. A lot of people are talking themselves into the Giants. I'm just, I'm not there yet. Just based on what I've seen from Eli. I just, he got benched last year. I mean, McAdoo was a disaster, but at the same time, Eli was not good. And I don't know. I mean, they're betting on Saquon, OBJ, and everybody else, Sterling Shepard, and all those guys keeping him upright and keeping him passable. But 
I don't know. I'm just I'm higher on the Cowboys than any other NFC East team not named the Eagles, but we're probably overthinking with the Eagles kind of like what we were doing with the Steelers where it's just like if they have Carson Wentz, they're they're winning this division. It's just this roster's too good. And right. their offensive line's too good and I I don't know. It's probably going to be the Eagles, but the Cowboys are the most interesting for me. Yeah, and I would have been tempted to take the Cowboys if not for all of their offensive line struggles in the in the preseason. I mean, you've, you're missing a decent amount. Life comes at you fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's just like you have a guy getting an autoimmune disorder. Like, you can't predict these things are going to happen, but he's one of the best in the game. Um, so that is, that's concerning to me. You had Tyron Smith last year having back issues. You know what I mean? Like, no one, like, back issues are, you know, probably the worst lingering issue you can have. Um, so that concerns me a bit. I like the Cowboys. I like Dak. I think like Dak was better last year than his stats indicated. Um, I just think the Eagles have the coaching, have the depth to survive. You know, Wentz missing a little bit of time and to get to ten wins or get to nine wins because I think that's what ultimately wins that division. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited though because I think that's one where it could go a lot of different ways. And I mean, Wentz obviously isn't playing uh week one so we'll see how that goes um last thing and then we'll go falcons are getting a lot of hype a lot of super bowl buzz um atlanta is also hosting the super bowl this year and no team's ever gone to the super bowl when they've hosted so that's a little much i'm not a big fan of that so like hosting the super bowl sucks because your team's probably not gonna make it i mean the vikings were very close last year and uh did not get there obviously but um in really brutal fashion actually but uh where are you at with Sarkeesian in year two? And do you think the Falcons getting a lot of NFC representative buzz in the Super Bowl? Well, um, do you think it's warranted? I don't know if I don't know if it's a good sign or a bad sign for you that uh, my colleague Will Brinson, who also picked the Steelers to finish third, has the Falcons winning the Super Bowl. Um, this so, is not great. <laughs> uh, Will, if you're listening, stop it. No more. <laughs> well, I mean, last so last year he did pick the Cardinals. Oh, and the in the chargers i want to say so yeah it, it, oh, wow. it's definitely He's... the curse you don't you don't want him picking your team um i like the falcons i was a little bit surprised going through when i was making my predictions that they ranked so lowly by dvoa which is usually a better indicator of future success than like win and loss records i think they were somewhere in the middle of the pack and that was like a little bit surprising to me yeah they were 15th um that was a little bit surprising to me. I mean, I, I picked them to make the playoffs um, in second. I, I, I mean, the Saints were, are my Super Bowl pick. Um, and a part of that is, I think, if they can get home field advantage in the playoffs, um, I don't know if anyone's going to go into New Orleans in that dome and beat them. So obviously I couldn't pick the Falcons to make the playoffs. But I will say this, or sorry, to win the division. I picked the Falcons to make the playoffs, and the team I picked them over was a team like the Bears in the aftermath of the Quill Mack trade. And I was really mad I couldn't pick the Bears to make the playoffs. Um, and there was no way for me to fit them in because I couldn't rationally. Well, it's really hard to fit in a team that can only finish fourth in their division to make the playoffs. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I do have them finishing above the lines. But for, for the record, mm. I have been the guy who, like, the p- past three years, I want to say, or maybe four, I have picked the Bears to finish in third above the Lions every single time, and it never happens. Yeah, because they're not going to implode. Stafford's a solid bet. He's at, like right at number 10, top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Like They have a great wide receiver duo. They have a lot of talent in the back end of their secondary. And like, yeah, they just, they're not going to fall off. They just can't get worse than seven. Worst case scenario for them is seven and nine. 
No, I'm with you. It, no, I mean, like, I, I don't think the Lions are bad. Um, I think the Bears are better, though. I, I really do. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if you want my, like, I guess my hot take of the NFC North is that I think the Bears have better overall rosters than the Packers and the Lions. And, like, I think the problem is that, obviously, quarterback matters more than any other position. So with the Packers, um, you can't put the Bears above the Packers because the Packers have Aaron Rodgers and the Bears don't. Uh, but I think if you were to go position by position and compare players, I think you would pick more Bears in the lineup than the Packers, and the same with the Lions. I really do. And I, I think the problem is that you just don't know what you're going to get out of quarterback for the Bears, and that's the big wild card here. But I think the Khalil Mack trade is a, like, two to three win swing potentially oh wow okay i like it you're you're in on the bears i, I mean i, like I didn't pick them to make the playoffs though i picked the falcons over them because i you really want them to make the playoffs though yeah i wanted to pick them to make the playoffs it just felt like they have the pieces in place to be that good but they might be the most entertaining six and ten team in the nfl wow i can't i mean no no i mean i think you're right and i think that like from the perspective of a Bears fan, like you just kind of want excitement after enduring the John Fox year. Right. Like I think a six and 10 year with Trubisky playing well and Mac playing well is like, and no one getting seriously hurt is a good year and setting yourself up for the next year. Uh, but like, you're right. I couldn't pick them over the Falcons. I just couldn't do it because I think people forget that the Falcons were not good in Cal Shanahan's first year. Like I remember writing like articles that summer before the year Matt Ryan won the MVP, like making fun of Matt Ryan throwing the interception to um, Kyle Shanahan at practice and stuff, and like Falcons people getting mad at me for like writing that. And it was just like a joke about how like um, Shanahan and and Matt Ryan and um, I think like Roddy White was coming out with comments about how like the offense was not good and it was like too complicated. And then mm-hmm. they come out and they explode. And, like I don't think they're going to explode like they did that year, but I think they're just going to get better by Sarkeesian being there for an extra year. Um, and like the thing with the Falcons, I don't have the stats in front of me, but they were really good on like yards per drive, but they just couldn't finish. And so I think like a part of that will just naturally, you know, go in their favor this year. Um, so no, I'm big on the Falcons. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think you could argue they are the third most likely team to make the Super Bowl in the NFC behind okay. Rams and the Saints. I don't have a minute. I'm not going to pick a team that's hosting the Super Bowl ever to make the Super Bowl until it happens. Well, uh, can't do it. I mean, you got you got the Vikings last year, mm-hmm. one step away. Maybe that was you know baby steps. You know, we're getting closer. Disagree. Never happening. I think there's just some unwritten rule. You, you do you also, you also don't get the, your team. You also believe mm-hmm. in the Packers. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? It, it really did wreck Peyton Hillis's career. I'll give I'll mm-hmm. give you that. That's true. That's what hurt Peyton Hillis's career, being on the cover of Madden. Um, <laughs> Sean, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, is there anything coming out uh, this week that we should check out prior to kickoff tomorrow night or uh, anything else on CBSSports.com? Um, I'll have my weekly five best bets coming out tomorrow, and I'll be every Thursday. Uh, and kind of a teaser, I did pick the Bears to cover, but the line is seven and a half. Mm. Um, so I like I'm p- I'm picking the Bears to lose by a touchdown, um, which to me doesn't seem that insane. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Well, Sean, this was great. I really appreciate you taking the time, and let's talk again soon, sir. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
All right, Matt Ufford is now here. Matt, Mr. Upsides, Mr. Um, just NFL podcaster that I've been listening to for years and years. And uh, yeah, you're all over the place now. You're at Forbes, you're um, doing all kinds of fun stuff. So Matt, good evening. How are you? Good evening. Chase, do you break news often? Uh, do I break? No, not really. Uh, because I have not even announced this yet to the, the wider world, but uh, I'm starting at ESPN on Monday. Oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually uh, will not be at Forbes covering the Seahawks any longer, but uh, will instead Just be... Just in time for the regular season. Yes. <laughs> I covered I covered the Seahawks throughout the summer doldrums and uh, uh, will be helping out with uh, ESPN's digital video team starting on Monday. So exciting news. Okay. What about uh, the task and purpose? Um, I am still working out the details of that. I'm going to try to stay on as a columnist there. Okay. That's awesome. Um breaking news in the podcast i really appreciate you holding out because you did tell me over the course of the week that you might be able to break something no i'm just kidding you didn't do that no i didn't uh, <laughs> but that's awesome man um well that's exciting because that's when i first uh, saw you was on video stuff on sb nation um it's kind of crazy to think about how many years ago that was like just the sb nation studios and watching you in studio with like whether it was will or um, spencer hall and all that kind of stuff that's where i first started listening to you is on the upside stuff yeah, uh, I am definitely, there There have been a lot of people who've been asking me, uh, is Upsides coming back? And it's like, no, I stopped working at SB Nation six months ago, but mm-hmm. thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, is it coming back on ESPN? Can we even figure that out? I, probably not. I'm going to be more on okay. the, I'm going to be doing more production, less in front of camera stuff. So okay. I'm going to be uh, uh, pulling strings behind the scenes. <laughs> No, that's good. I mean, are you still gonna be able to be a regular on the Bill Barnwell podcast? I certainly hope so. I love talking to okay. Bill. He's a great dude. Yeah. Um, and all of my yeah. all of my NFL takes are just watered down Barnwell takes. So uh, he's someone I would be scared to talk football with, just because you know that he knows more than you about just about everything when it comes to the NFL. That like any take that you have, you're just kind of worried. I mean, he's a, seems like a really nice guy, so he's not gonna destroy you for it. But like, there is something about talking to somebody like him where it's like oh god when i had sam monson of pff on a couple months ago i was terrified of uh sending out my takes just because he's just such a great football mind that you're just like oh what am i doing he's very generous he'll say he'll say like if you make any sort of reasonable argument he'll say that's fair or then if he's really (laughs) if he's being really like uh uncertain he'll say i'm skeptical that will happen Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's always polite Mm -hmm. very polite Yeah. yeah there you go um so I want to talk about the NFC West tonight, Matt, because okay. this is a division you're very familiar with. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, and I think it's weird now because Alfred Morris is a lead back in 2018 as of this moment. He's back. Yeah, he's back. Um, and there's going to be a committee approach there. They have a seventh rounder who's in the fold, but it's just kind of a it's a it's a morose situation in that backfield right now. I don't think you ever want to rely on Alfred Morris in 2018, but Kyle Shanahan is able to fine guys uh off the scrap heap and maybe they do figure it out with alfred morris and he has a really good season for them and it doesn't really matter because you have jimmy garoppolo and then you have people picking the rams to go 14 and 2 and then you have the seahawks with the top five quarterback and a bottom five roster as a whole and then you have the cardinals who teams were i mean people were predicting to go to the super bowl just a couple years ago and i just i have no idea what to make of this division i feel like a lot of people are just like well we know the rams are gonna be good and i'm like well i mean they're either gonna be really good or like really bad i'm just i feel like it's either gonna just go completely one way or completely the other i don't see like a seven and nine or a nine and seven year for them but um first up the seahawks that you're 
the most familiar with. Um, do you agree with a lot of the talking points that have been uh, thrown around with this team? Is that like if they did not have Russell Wilson keeping this whole thing afloat, that we would be looking at this team as like a, a favorite for the number one overall pick in the 2019 draft? Uh, maybe, but like take any teams, like any team that, that is, has like a, an elite quarterback, um, and take that guy away. Uh, how many teams have such a great backup that they wouldn't be, that they would miss the playoffs. I mean, you could make a case that if Carson Wentz had gone down in week one instead of week, uh, 13 uh last last year that the eagles might not have made the playoffs now Mm -hmm. listen yes nick Foles was a super super bowl mvp he played very well in the nfc championship and the super bowl he did not play so well the week before um when the uh when the eagles eked it out past the rams and and he struggled throughout the preseason too. I think like Nick Foles is a guy who sometimes has it together and sometimes does not. And um, you know maybe he just had a touch of Flacco hit him uh, it, when it counted. So I think that I think that yes, you know take any take any team's top flight quarterback away and they're going to be in a very very bad spot. Um, now I think that the I think that what you're getting to is that there's an overall skepticism about the Seahawks roster because they bled so much all pro level talent. Yes. Basically. And I mean, I mean, the Legion of boom is over. I mean, at least getting Earl Thomas back is nice. Um, yes. It's, it's better than nice. It is absolutely. <laughs> I, I actually chalk it up to Earl Thomas's presence on the defense is probably good for about two more wins this season. Oh, wow. And I mean, just thinking about, I mean, I think he's going to be better in Tedrick Thompson. What do you think? Yes. I, yes. I've actually, I did a, I did a deep dive, uh, for, for me looking at what free, what safeties have offered, uh, it through, um, pro football references, approximate value metric. And basically like Earl Thomas does not have peers. There are people who say like, Oh, Eric Berry is better than Earl Thomas. Or like this young safety is as good as Earl Thomas. Like, no, there's actually like Earl Thomas's peers for like, where he is in his career, Earl Thomas's peers are Ronnie Lott and uh, uh, the the all-time greatest safeties, uh, Brian Dawkins, uh, Ed Reed. Like those, mm-hmm. that's Earl Thomas's. Uh, those are his peers in terms of uh, uh, all-pro nods, the approximate value metric, like on-field achievements, and getting putting Earl Thomas at starting free safety instead of uh, Teeter Thompson. Thompson's a, a very good player. He, he makes pretty good reads. He's very fast, very physical, but like you're don't, you don't just replace hall of famers uh, yeah. like that. Um, at cornerback, the they're actually pretty good because Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin is, is going to step in maybe not uh, like for like in terms of, of Richard Sherman at, at his peak, but Richard Sherman mm-hmm. wasn't at his peak anymore anyway. So you're still going to have a very good uh, left cornerback play. And, you know, Pete Carroll, certainly I, I'm a Seahawks fan. He certainly has, uh, uh, there are things that I'd quibble about his coaching, but one thing that he excels at is, is coaching the secondary. And, um, there's a reason that there, there's a reason that the Legion of Boom occurred in the first place, and a lot of that has to do with Pete Carroll's touch. Not Ken Norton Jr. You know, uh, 
Ken Norton Jr. is is actually uh, a welcome presence because the the biggest part of the Seahawks defense, the the biggest, the most likely place where they'll they'll struggle is uh, rushing the passer. They don't have a yep. ton of of edge Frank talent. Great. Frank Clark is very good, but they're expecting. Uh, either Rasheem Green, their their third round rookie to mm-hmm. uh to start, or they're gonna have to hope for the the Dion Jordan resurgence to continue. And he's been he just missed the entire preseason with uh yeah. with a knee injury. So uh in order to get to the quarterback, they're gonna have to dial up blitzes and and that's where they're gonna be re- relying on Barkevius Mingo's speed off the edge. Ed- off the edge he's a good wild card though guy right like he's just first round talent never really found the right spot but maybe he, they can find something there in seattle with that group it's not a bad gamble right? it's it's not a bad gamble and and i hate to to speak from a place of knowledge because it means that i've watched the seahawks preseason games but what what you'll see if you watch mingo when he plays is he is incredibly fast and athletic in the open field and coming off the edge when he engages in a block, he tends to disappear from a play. So uh, as a as like a, a third down speed rusher coming on a blitz, uh, even moving in pass coverage, he's 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 very good. But uh, yeah, there's when he gets engaged by a tackle like that, he's he's going to disappear from the play. And I feel like I, my whole thing with the Seahawks defense and the turnover there, I felt like the biggest loss is Cliff Averill because of, like you said, they just have so many questions opposite of Frank Clark and betting on Deion Jordan or Rasheem Green, anybody like that. It's going to be tough, and they need a pass rush to help out um, the turnover in the secondary with Sherman and everybody else and Cam Chancellor. And, I mean, getting Earl Thomas back really helps, but um, they could really they could have really used a healthy Cliff Averill, like just one more year to like bridge the gap between Rasheem Green having to jump into the fold or Deion Jordan whoever else it would have been um, nice one of yeah. one of one of Cliff Averill or uh or Michael Bennett who offered right. more flexibility uh moving inside on 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 passing downs uh certainly their their weakest their their interior linemen uh Jaron Reed um and uh, and a lot of those guys are excellent at their their absorbing blockers stopping the run they're really good at creating the lanes for Bobby Wagner to get through to, to like they're going to be fine against the run. They they will struggle to rush the passer at times and that will be uh the the hinge on on whether they they remain a very good defense or one that is, you know, middle of the pack in the NFL. How excited are you to root for a team that has Seabass as their kicker? I am. I do not care about Seabass. I've never been okay. a Seabass fan. What I'm excited. I'm all in on Michael Dixon. I'm excited. Mm. I'm excited to see this team punt. I am because <laughs> they're going to do it a lot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, we'll have to get Dan Rubenstein to do his uh, drive chart because they will be punting a lot when he does on the Solid Verbal, which is a great show that you should check out. The punt, punt, punt. He, field goal. They yeah. they are really like they're going to get. I'm going to be cheering for field position so much. It's going to be rad. Now, Michael Dixon, the, uh, the rookie punter from Texas, he is, is the real deal. And, uh, it's both a, uh, a, a, a sad testament of, uh, of my outlook on the 2018 season that I'm excited about the punter, but there we are. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't sound like you're all that in on the <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer focus to this offense. Um, if you had like, how would you describe this, newfound just love affair with the run game and trying to make it work with Rashad Penny who PFF loved is like the best uh, running back in this 
past draft. And then you have Chris Carson hopefully being healthy. And like they're really deep with CJ Procise, um, Mike Davis, guys like that. But um, they really need Doug Baldwin to not be hurt because they just paid Tyler Lockett. And that's obviously a big thing. But not a lot of depth on the outside. And they banked on a lot of, a lot of young guys in the backfield uh, carrying things and keeping Russell Wilson upright. I think it's I think it's going to be a a much improved offense this year. So uh, Brian Schottenheimer has certainly whew, he's not what I'd call an innovator. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm 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 <laughs> generously speaking, and mm-hmm. and I I've Bottle also rubbing off on you in my uh, in my long months of of just trying to look at the the season ahead while I was covering the Seahawks this summer. Um, I took a, a, a deep look at Brian Schottenheimer's history with the with the Jets and the Rams, and and it's this uh, Uroboros of like, oh well, Brian Schottenheimer has never worked with an elite quarterback before, therefore like his defense or his offenses have never been good because he's never had uh, an elite quarterback. But then like the other argument is, well, he actually never made any of his quarterbacks better either, right? Uh, and he professes himself to be a quarterback guy. However, in more recent years, uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, stepped in uh, as the Colts starter at quarterback uh, last year without a preseason to work with. And Jacoby Brissett was far better than anybody had any reason to believe stepping into a playbook that he didn't know until the season began. His quarterback's coach was Brian Schottenheimer. Uh, right. the, the early reports are that like Russell Wilson's footwork have improved his um, his uh, ability to step up in the pocket and make throws instead of spinning away from pressure has improved. Uh, so I think that the the heart of what Pete Carroll wants to do, which is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, uh, will be better because they no longer have uh, Tom Cable as their offensive line coach. And uh, the other half of what Pete Carroll likes to do, which is throw the ball deep after running the ball down your throat, is is also going to improve because of Schottenheimer working with Wilson. So I think the offense will actually be a great deal improved. I think that the Seahawks line, even if it's just the fact that they're returning four or five starters with a better coach, so they've got both continuity and improved coaching, even if uh, Jermaine Effetti remains the worst right tackle in the NFL, like if they just become the 18th best offensive line instead of the 32nd, uh, that's going to create a, a huge dividend in the offensive game plan. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic that the offense will be a good deal. Maybe they, like maybe at the end of the year they won't they won't have uh, more points total, but I think they'll have more average yards per drive. Okay, um, I'm not there. I'm really out on Schottenheimer. I just can't. I just. I, I can't do it, I'm, but I also love Russell Wilson, so I, I don't know what to think about this team, but I'm just glad that Earl Thomas is going to be in Seattle for at least one more year. That's a that's a positive thing, because Seattle fans are having to deal with a lot of turnover. A lot of guys just gone, and uh, things end a lot faster than you would ever think. And yeah, so the a lot of the guys who left in free agency or via trade this past season, all these all pros that, that, uh, that left... Many of them were lost to injury during the season. Right. And with all of that going wrong, um, and with Tom Cable as the offensive line coach, this is a team that uh, lost, finished nine and seven, 
was not out of the playoff hunt until week 17 and lost three games in the final two minutes of games on missed field goals. So like, yeah, like, you know, the, the, the margins in the NFL are, are razor thin and, you know, the, the Seahawks are, I think pegged for, uh, you know, kind of eight wins this season, maybe nine. And like, I could see, I could very easily see things just going, uh, if they get a couple games to go their way, they could be 10 and six. Uh, they could oh also, my God, 10 and six. Okay. Yeah, they could also be five and 11. Uh, but yeah. I actually, I really don't think I, I don't see them as finishing any worse than seven and nine, just because they have Russell mm. Wilson, like that teams, right. teams with really outstanding quarterbacks just don't lose more than nine games. Yeah. Like I, you can go ahead and, 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 and if you get seven, if you get 16 games out of your elite quarterback, you're not going to do worse than, than 500 most of the time. Yeah. Um, that's what makes them so fascinating. Uh, who are you a bigger believer in this year, the Cardinals or the 49ers? Uh, I think this is what makes the NFC West so hard is that each team yeah. has such, such high variance, um, mm-hmm. for, for what their outcomes might be. And I think that, the the popular choice is probably the 49ers and one that I'd probably lean that way just because uh you know they're they're a team that's that's trending upward but and and has done a good job of of adding talent uh over the last uh, two drafts and the right side of their offensive line is not Andre Smith and Justin Pugh yeah um however the cardinals have david johnson and and they you know do. without losing him in the first game of the season will probably do a lot better this year Mm-hmm. They have Sam Bradford, and we can go ahead and and uh, spend five minutes making Sam Bradford his uh, bones are made of twine jokes. But like, I won't because I love Sam Bradford, and he's good when he plays. When he, he plays, up he is New Orleans good. last year. Like he's he's good. He's, I like Sam Bradford when when he is upright. He is pretty good. So, I, and the other thing is that for the first time in many years, the Cardinals have a backup quarterback and, and the uh, uh, heir apparent in Josh Rosen. I really like Josh Rosen. I think that he... I'm just scared for him, man. Like, his, he already had, like, the nerve damage in his shoulder, and, like, he he's not someone you want taking a lot of hits, and this offensive line's either going to be really good because if they're all healthy, they're going to be fine. Like, they're going to start a rookie at center who hasn't played center since his junior year at Michigan, which is a little concerning, but... Um, he's a good run blocker and not a good pass protector, which is the inverse of the guy they just lost. I think it was AJ, I forget his last name, but he tore his ACL. So he's gone for the year, but, um, there is, and like, there's a path if that whole offensive line stays healthy, they could be fine. But like Rosen is someone unlike you where I believe in him, but like if this offensive line is bad, I I'm just like, I'm sending Mike Glennon out. <laughs> like we, we got to protect Rosen at all costs because I just, I don't want to see him take a lot of bad hits in this division, especially when you have the Rams front seven and you have um, the Seahawks front seven and you have uh, Solomon Thomas and everybody else in this division, Ruben Foster and all those guys. Like, I just, I don't know. I would keep Rosen off the field for as long as humanly possible. And I'm sure that's the plan too. Um, Yeah. I I don't think that, I I think that the, the 49ers are, are, I think they're trending as like the dark horse, like wild card team. I don't think they're there yet. Um, and this is, this is actually not me being a Seahawks homer. I just think that we're like Jimmy Garoppolo has, you know, he, ah, the golden boy with the golden touch. Um, but his, you know he hasn't lost a game as a starter. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, been mentioned a couple of times, mm-hmm. but, uh, 
his interception rate and his ability to stay healthy are, are the two things that are kind of in question for him so far. So, uh, look, I, you know, the, the 49ers aren't going 16 and 0 this year. That, that streak is going to come to an end. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, I wouldn't rule it out until it happens. Uh, I don't think we can, um, we can say that he's going to lose a game. Yeah. And I, you know, I haven't looked at the schedule. They could be, they could have the Browns on their schedule several times. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, actually, I think the Browns are going to be like halfway decent this year. So who who am I? I love this stat of like they had a negative quarterback. The only team I think in the NFL last year, Deshaun Kaiser, had a negative war. And just by having a average quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, like it's a plus five in their win total. Just by having a guy who's not going to cost you games, who's just going to be fine. They have so much talent now. And just having a quarterback who's not going to just throw games away like Kaiser did last year is going to prop them up to like five and 11. It was amazing that... Every time you, I felt that every time that the uh, the red zone channel clicked over to a Browns game, it was to mm-hmm. show a Deshaun Kaiser interception in the red zone. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was not great. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So I don't know win win totals. I think that the I think that the Cardinals could do four wins. They could do eight. The defense, the Cardinals' defense, is pretty good still. They just had a lot of turnover. Like, I think they had the most uh, guys leave in free agency this past year of any team in the NFL. I think they had like something like 25 guys leave the team from a year ago. That yeah, seems like a uh, lot. Yeah. And I just, I like Steve Wilkes a lot and what he was able to do in Carolina. And I, I just think having Patrick Peterson still there. And they, I mean, they still have a lot of talent on defense. I mean, Kim Dietrich's still there. You still have Chandler Jones, who's gotten like 16 sacks uh, like every year. And he's still in his prime. And you just have like their safeties are uh, Buda Baker is in like year two. So you, there's still a lot of young talent on this defense. I mean, losing Tyron Matthew, I don't think it's gonna be as big of a deal as people may assume. I mean, Tyron Matthew's like been injured as, as much as he's been healthy his career. Right. Like I'm not really worried about that. Like, and I think losing Carlos Dansby, like a long-term leader there might bother them, but they still have Hassan Riddick and Dion Buchanan and Josh Bynes, who was really good for them when he did play. And, um, I mean, you still have Marcus Golden on the opposite edge, um, of Chandler Jones. And, um, I don't know. I just, I mean, they got Benet Ben Weaker who got, uh, who was, um, on the Cowboys, but they're loaded in their back, uh, back four. So he didn't really fit, but I'm just not really worried about their defense. I think their defense is probably still going to, cause I think they were top 10 in defensive DVOA last year. And yeah. It would not surprise me if they're still somewhere around that because, um, they're going to get a lot of sacks. They're going to pressure the quarterback really well. Um, and they're, I mean, their f- safeties are good. Antoine Bethea is still a really good player for them. And they're, and, go- they're going to enjoy the fact that they've got a, a last place schedule too. So, right. Yeah, so I could see. I'm actually. I think we just decided. I'm higher on the Cardinals going into this year than the 49ers. 49ers just have a dearth of talent. Like I just relying on Dante Pettis to really carry things on offense, and Alfred Morris, and just if you look at their tight end situation and Godwin, and just I don't know, man. I just I can't talk myself. I love Kyle Shanahan, so it hurts me to do this, but. I just I think this is a year from hell year for them. Like I just think they need too much to go their way. Yeah, I, I think that like they're going to be a competent team. They're they're going to be the the offense is going to have some really nice moments. Uh, I think Marquise Goodwin is is pretty good, and he's shown like a really nice connection with uh, Garoppolo. I just you know he's not. I feel he's more of a more of a, like a a deep threat than yeah. a guy who's going to move the chains for you on third and seven. Um, a Robert Woods type, those kind of guys, where it's like it's nice to have in your three wide receiver sets, but he's not a he's not a go to guy. And you have Pierre Garcon in like year twenty three. Like, <laughs> I just 
I'm not thrilled with what they're dealing with there. Garrett Selleck at tight end. I just no. They have the uh, the the sexy new young guy as their their tight end now. Sexy new young guy. Yeah, George Kittle. George Kittle. Yeah, okay. he's the uh, he's 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 the he's the sexy pickup in uh, in fantasy drafts right now. Why? Uh, because he had a nice connection or a blossoming connection with Garoppolo at the end of last year. I think. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, George <laughs> Kittle. Got it. Excited, George Kittle. You heard it here first. Um, I I don't know. I I think that I'm I'm slightly sunnier. I just I I think that I think that what you get at those the the overall talent. I I think that. You know, look, the, if the offense clicks and we've seen year two of Kyle Shanahan offense, like that was when it clicked for Matt Ryan and, and it all came together for the Falcons. I think the Falcons were a massively more talented team with a much stronger offensive line that had all five offensive line starters start all 16 games and had Julio Jones. Uh, and Mohamed Sanu at wide receiver. It had two outstanding running backs, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Matt Breida or Alfred Morris, but actually mm-hmm. I am a little bit um, because uh, college free agent Matt Breida. How yeah. dare you? So I think that I think that this is a team that look they're going to be in games and and they might win a shootout. And I think that if if Garoppolo uh, can can have a better touchdown interception ratio. Uh, than he did over the last uh, six or seven games last year. It's a team again, like this. Could, they could be ten and six, but they could be also five and eleven. Like this is, yep. but I think that the most common outcome is probably like seven wins for them. Okay. What about the Rams? Fourteen and two. When you hear that, what do you think? I think that's a freaking joke. I, I, okay. I, I do, and and uh, my reasons for it are this: when I I. Like I've said, I, I, I'm a like I, I do discount Bill Barnwell uh, analysis. And when I when I looked at uh, the possibilities of other teams in the NFC West making the playoffs besides the Rams, what jumped out to me is that over the last two years, the Rams have been the number one team in the NFL uh, in having healthy players. Like they have lost the fewest player games. Uh, their players have lost the fewest games uh, in terms of like starters and quality players over the last two years than like number one in the NFL for two years running. When you look at when you talk about regression, like that's something that just doesn't happen year after year. And the fact that it's happened twice in a row, like they're going to lose some guys this year and they're not deep. They're banking on a lot of guys, veterans staying healthy. And that just seems kind of like what we're killing the Raiders for by having like an average age of 27, which shout out to them uh, for going that route. But uh, the Rams are the same kind of way, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and again, there's, when you have a young quarterback, there's a chance of progression. You also look at the guys with outsized personalities like Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. Uh, if there's, when you're winning, everything's cool. If something happens to go wrong and then you only have like your head coach as a guy who's 30 years old and mm-hmm. is in his second year as a head coach, you know, what happens when there's a bunch of players who are older than the coach and are more experienced than him in terms of being in, in football uh, locker rooms? And look, well, I think th- John Fossil puts his foot down. Yeah, he says, I'm the special teams coach. I went to a Super Bowl at one point. Wade so Phillips. Y'all need to shut the fuck they, up. Yeah, they got Wade Phillips. <laughs> exactly. I, I have been a footstool for Jerry Jones. Um, 
no, Wade Phillips <laughs> is the best defensive coordinator in the game. Yeah. But um, the Rams are still going to win the division. I do, I, I do think that. I think that 14-2 and two is highly unlikely. Todd Gurley is not going to have as good of a season as he had last year. He had an amazing season. There's just like he's not going to be able to replicate the uh, yards per catch, yards after catch. Like that's that that's just John not... Kelly, though, who I like a lot. I liked him a lot at Tennessee. He's going to be a sneaky good guy. They're there. they're massively talented. They're, they're mm-hmm. a really talented team. They're very good. Um, How many games would they win with Sean Mannion starting 16 games? I, I think they'd still win 10. Oh, I don't. Sean... <sighs> Jared Goff is not that good. I just I feel like there is Jared Goff is is pretty good, but he's what fine. he's what again, I'm this has been talked ad nauseum, but what what Sean McVay did for him in the second year was provide him with the read of the defense mm-hmm. and that allowed him to just throw the ball. He's very good at throwing the ball. Um mm-hmm. he he can quote unquote make all the throws. But um you know, I I think that there is the also, like NFL teams have had an off season to flex and come up with ideas for how to go yep. against that. The there's they're not going to have the same year that they had in 2017. Like things just don't go the so same. I don't think way. it's gonna be better. I don't think it's gonna be better. I think. Okay. I think that I, I can think, see them losing more games and going farther in the playoffs. Yes. Um. I, I could also see them having the same season. I don't think they're going to get better. I think that. I think that they added more talent this offseason, which is going to help offset the fact that they're going to lose some players to injury this year uh, that will impact them in in ways that aren't going to jump off on the stat sheet. And I think that, yeah, 11 and 5. They were 11 and 5 last year, right? Yeah. I could see another 11 and 5 season for that. I think that they I mean, will. I was blown away at the way the Falcons played them. I mean, the Rams did not lose that game because of their defense, and they overloaded that defense um, this summer. So it's kind of like. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll, we'll see. I'm just the NFC is going to be a bloodbath this year. There are so many good teams. You have the Vikings, you have the Packers, you have the Falcons, you have the Saints, you have the Panthers. You have just so many good teams. I mean, if Russell Wilson is able to guide them to the playoffs, they're scary. Like, there's just so many good teams that like Jared Goff is going to be the worst quarterback in the NFC playoff picture, no matter what. Like Carson Wentz, I didn't even mention when he gets healthy, like. I don't know. If I'm a Rams fan, I'm just still concerned about that aspect. I mean, Jacksonville it's, almost went to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles, but at the same time, it's maddening. It's maddening yeah. as a team, as a person who roots for an NFC team. It's it's absolutely maddening that like, and like, oh well, it's it's year seventeen in a row of the AFC East not even having a a team that can get to five hundred. Uh, right. uh, besides the Patriots, and it's like, come on, you take mm-hmm. any of the. Like the AFC, I feel is if you're a, a middling team, being in the AFC versus being in the NFC is like giving you two free wins. Mm-hmm. Like any, yeah. take any NFC contender and put them in the AFC, and they're going to have uh, one to two more wins every season. That's an interesting thought experiment. Like, what if we switched the Seahawks and like the Broncos in divisions? Do we say the Seahawks are the AFC favorite? They're not an AFC favorite. They're they're the runaway AFC West favorite. Or or yeah. all, all you know what the there's a lot of people that are are riding for the the char uh uh the Chargers this year. So let's say I'm there every year and it sucks because you know it's not going to happen. Barrett already got injured and Hunter Henry got injured. And we just know how this is going to go. Like yeah. they're the most talented team, but it's just the most snake bitten franchise. Wrong. Yeah, it's I just until it happens I mean I want it to happen I was pushing for the Bills just getting an opportunity to say that they made the playoffs and then the NFL stepping in and being like well you're going to start Tyrod in this group and we know it's going to be terrible and we're not going to this is an entertainment first product and we can't put on Jaguars 
versus Bills on national television for a playoff game. So we're going to go ahead and insert the Chargers in your place. <laughs> that would have been nice. That would have been nice. Chargers may have won. Like, they were playing really good football at that point. Uh, you can make the case that Chargers would have gone to the Super Bowl last year if they had been inserted in that wildcard game. I think that the Chargers were the... at the By week 17, the Chargers were the best team in the AFC. Okay, so I'm not crazy with that. Like, no. I think the Chargers, if they had made that wildcard game, that there is a strong possibility they win the AFC. They had... Uh, Outside of the Jaguars, they had the best defense in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of Tom Brady, they had the best quarterback in the AFC. For for as we're talking in the playoff picture, um, they had a healthy Keenan Allen for the first time. Healthy ever. Keenan Allen, that, man, I love I love watching that dude play. I I am uh, heartbroken every time he like gets injured because he is so smooth that to he's like in and out of his cuts so smooth, and it's just like a big guy shouldn't be that smooth. It's uh, he's so fun to watch. How many games does Caleb Sturgis cost the Chargers this year? Three. I <laughs> uh, uh, probably three. Three is what's okay. going to take for them to miss the playoffs. And you look at the just the the Chargers last year. They lost their first four games, as everybody knows. And I think the first three were in particularly agonizing fashion. Oh, the 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 hero Kim who made the first one, but they called the timeout right yeah. before he kicked it, and they did it again, and he missed, and it was over. If if they just win one of those four games, if I any one of those four goes the other way, then they're in the playoffs, and that's yeah. that's that. It's unbelievable. Like it is, I, you know, as I look at like the big sports landscape, I am not built for Major League Baseball. I think it is insane to have 162 games, a, a game every day from like spring all through summer. It's like you just had a game yesterday. We're doing this again, uh, and it's exhausting, but. At the same time, you can fairly say that like, oh, the teams that made the playoffs certainly had the opportunities to do so. Yeah. And we just needed 183 and then we would have turned the corner. Yeah, there's it's it's reasonable. Like you had your shot and you missed it. And Mm -hmm. I think it's messed up that they have like one game playoffs after having 162 to determine who oh, even now you lost them. me because those games are incredible they're awesome and tense but like it's so it's so unfair it's so cruel well, i mean it puts the more emphasis on winning the division like if you don't win the division yeah. sorry you have to do this yeah um Sudden it's death you know, i love single game elimination I it think is that's all it is it is i love a good single game elimination it is so thrilling and completely cruel and that's why yeah. i'm just not built for it um, fans went like one and th- one and two over a three-year stretch in those games Ugh. like it's brutal like if you're the twins you have this amazing surprise year top of the first they go off in new york and it looks like oh they're up like 3-0 they might do this and they might go on this magical run and then the yankees just pile it on and they have to watch this whole game and it's like do we really make the playoffs like do we count this like what do we do with this um no i i love it i can't wait for a's yankees and the wild card game this year Man. it's gonna be it's gonna be fun yeah um so that's the NFC West. That is the NFC West. <laughs> Mad, uh, the, yeah, this went a little off the rails there. So if you had to do right now, we're recording this the day before kickoff, uh, before the Falcons travel to Philadelphia to take on Nick Bowles again. Um, if you had to do a one through four, give me your one through four in the NFC West and then give me your Super Bowl picks. I'm afraid that it's a little chalky, uh, mm-hmm. but I do think Rams, Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals. Um, okay. But I think that there's like, this is this is a little homerish of me. The Seahawks have a very tough schedule. They could easily finish like seven and nine and this not even be in the conversation. I think there's there's a realistic chance that the Seahawks are knocking on the door for a playoff spot. I think that they've got a real shot at being ten and six um, if 
if they get the all pro level from Earl Thomas. So they've, it, the schedule's been nasty, but like, I think that they're, they're an outside shot of, of making the, the playoffs in a way that, that most people are not talking about them. Uh, but then, you know, you can make the same argument for all the other teams in the division too. But, uh, yeah, okay. really, really unexciting chalk picks for me. I mean, I have Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, 49ers. I do feel like the 49ers are just, I, I just, I don't like everything going on there right now. I can't talk myself into it. Um, but I also could see the Seahawks finishing no worse than third. Like you, it's just when you have Wilson who is going to play 16 games, knock on wood, because I don't want to watch Brett Hundley play football anymore. But oh, God. To Ross Tucker for his Brett Hundley monologue this week, it cracked me up. So I don't know <laughs> if you've heard that. I did not <laughs> but, hear it. Look, look up i think it was on uh it was either on rich eisen or dp show this week that uh he just went off on the <laughs> seahawks giving up a pick to acquire brett hunley and he's like i had to watch brett hunley for like this many it's incredible yeah I, and um, like and like i watched brett hunley too and it was bad but then i also saw austin davis in the preseason mm-hmm. and i'm like oh thank god brett hunley yeah there you go a lot of bad backup quarterbacks in this league um but yeah, so I I just and then the Cardinals are a wild card. Like I could see they're just it's so hard for me to shake that how close they were to a Super Bowl just a couple years ago. And I just feel like Steve Wilkes has great coach written all over him and like a surprise coach of the year candidate that kind of thing because he's gonna have the narrative and all that kind of stuff because no one's talking about the Cardinals and um, I don't know I could see nine and seven ten and six for the Cardinals but I also can see a situation where the Seahawks can finish no worse than seven and nine so they're probably right there. One of these teams is gonna implode. One of the three, and it's not going to be the Seahawks. I don't think there's a chance they implode. So one of them's going to have a season panel, and I'm just banking on it being the 49ers. Um, yeah. So who's your Super Bowl pick? Um, I I haven't given it a ton of thought actually. We're, weirdly enough, I was actually going through my. I think I've got like a, a fairly reliable, uh, or not fairly reliable. I've I've gone through and selected like, oh, these are my play playoff teams. Um, but I don't think I've. I've made like a serious Super Bowl pick uh, in well, quite some time. Well, you've already announced your new uh, your new job stuff. A new gig. It's time for you to reveal your first ever Super Bowl prediction for this year. Um, I'll take hmm, Packers Texans. Oh my God, Texans! Okay, I'm just I. It's so boring to pick the Patriots and like mm-hmm. who. You know, if you're rooting, you're rooting for your uh, your pick to be right. Like, I would rather just be wrong. Or like, I would if I picked the Patriots, I wouldn't want to be right. So I'd rather like pick a, okay. some some sort of interesting thing. And with the Packers, like in the in the NFC North, I think that the Vikings are going to have a letdown year. Um, I think that the Kirk Cousins is going to like is is going to be like okay but not great and i think that there's going to be some troubles with the the line i think that there's going to be just enough of a step back for the vikings for the the packers to kind of emerge with a uh, a playoff buy and you know gosh it, it's it's probably going to be probably uh, i i hate the 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 coaching situation mccarthy's going to find some way to mess it up um but okay. I I love watching Aaron Rodgers. He's the best player Not in the game. Not a big believer in Joe Philbin fixing everything on offense. And Joe Philbin's getting back together. Joe Philbin's fine. Um, that that's that's how I feel about um, <laughs> a lot of coaches. Like oh, he's fine. He's, yeah. There's they're fine. I, like in terms of like actual like innovators and and bright coaches, I think that it's 
I think that it's basically uh, the guys we saw in the Super Bowl last year, and that's pretty much it. Um, Put some respect on Rob Jitzinski's name. <laughs> um, and and uh, <laughs> who's the uh, who's the the Lions offensive coordinator? Oh, Joe Jim Bob, Bob Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the like they've got like there's there's some innovation, but you Bill know, there's... Laser. Remember when people were hyping him up in uh, Miami? When he was in the Joe Philbin era. He's now the OC of Cincinnati. I and Cincinnati's a team that I think is going to be better than people are giving them. A they're going to be good. Yeah, uh, there's just no way they're bad. If you go back through like all of Marvin Lewis's years, it's just worst case is like seven and nine, and I just feel like they have replenished a lot of their talent. They just got they let too many of their linemen go, and it, they traded for Cordy Glenn, and he's they shorted up their left tackle spot, and they have a new center because they had like one of the worst centers in football last year, and. Um, yeah, I just think we're in for a bounce back year from Cincinnati. Yeah, I think um, it, as long as as long as like Vontez Perfect manages to only be suspended like four or fewer games, mm-hmm. you know, that's a that's asking a lot. It is asking a lot. But Can uh, they get Dante Fowler. I want them to keep adding guys like that. Just, <laughs> like, you know, he needs to go somewhere else. And I feel like to unleash his potential, he needs to go to Cincinnati. He was meant for Cincinnati. <laughs> That'd be fine with me. Yeah, just it gets into everybody who is not Dion Jordan. He seems like a guy once he flames out in Seattle, he can go to yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah, let's just put them all there and they'll turn into like all press rangy, speedy guys. Yeah, that just somehow always work in Cincinnati and nowhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm all about it. Um, I have Vikings and Steelers and the Le'Veon Bell stuff is really starting to scare me. But like just the AFC history of like the last 20 years, it's been Peyton, Ben and Brady. Yeah. And I followed the Sam Monson model that if the Steelers can avoid the Patriots in the playoffs, then they'll go to the Super Bowl. And if the Patriots do get matched up with the Steelers, the Pats are going back to the Super Bowl. Um, it's boring, but I just think it's between those two still. Um, I'm pulling for the Bengals. I want a Bengals Super Bowl just because people are going to be so pissed off about Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis being in. Yeah, I, I would like an Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz, like redhead Super Bowl. Oh, there you go. Ginger yeah. Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then um, Andy Dalton wins. Why not? I mean, yeah. Everything else is falling apart. Why not? Cincinnati Super Bowl champions. I love it. I'm here for it. You heard it here first. Matt Effort believes that Andy Dalton is going to beat Carson Wentz in the Super Bowl and thinks he's a better quarterback. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's it. Yeah. I, that's exactly what you said. All right, man. Well, this was great. Uh, I'm really glad we were able to do this tonight. And uh, good luck with everything um, starting Monday. Thanks, Chase. I appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase Dumb underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back in another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.